You're listening to Yellow Peril Tactical, the Tiger Block Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Yellow Peril Tactical the Tiger Block Podcast. I'm your host, Soju Operator, and this time I am joined by Rose. I believe, Rose, this is your first time being on the podcast? It is. I'm glad to be here. Howdy. Awesome. Uh, what are your pronouns? Sorry. They, them. Awesome. And and we're joined today by a special guest, Max. He is a co-owner, part of a, well, co-opt of a body armor manufacturing company known as Red Star Defense. And he's got some really awesome special insight, especially from a more leftist perspective on how the industry works and a lot of uh, things that we should keep in mind when we go body armor shopping and or keeping in mind how this stuff is manufactured. I think it's really uh, awesome stuff that we don't really know about these days. So, hey, Max. Hello. Well, um, you know, just to get into it, you know, just the usual basic uh, questions, like how did you get into the body armor manufacturing space? Where did Red Star Defense even come from? Where did that name come from? Just, yeah, can kind of give us the origin story, if you will. Well, uh, the origin story of the Red Star project is uh, uh, it sort of evolved out of an earlier project uh, where we were making um, steel body armor plates. This was back in like 2014 when that was a, a relevant modern technology, right. right? In the in the North American consumer sphere, anyway. Um, and uh, I had become personally quite irate about the grifting and price gouging in the industry especially for steel armor because i knew i mean i i've got a background in material sciences and manufacturing and construction trades and um the i knew that they were selling a sheet of steel that they were buying for 17 dollars and putting maybe eight dollars worth of goo on for 140 dollars and it just really that's yeah that's just some straight up scummy shit and we all know it's scummy shit like for those who have been in here long enough like we all know like yeah this is not worth the price they're charging us right now no and and it, it weighs too much and the fragmentation jacketing does not work um i don't have to identify which supplier because this is a broad statement about the technology if it's not wrapped in fiberglass, it is letting out high-velocity fragmentation that will wound. Full stop. Uh, but anyway, so I'm getting sidetracked. Um, so that was a, a project that I was working on with some local comrades as early as 2014. And uh, around 2018, that project had sort of slowed down and it was dying off and people had moved on to other jobs and a couple people moved out of town. Um, around that time... Um, I'd gotten interested in developing more sophisticated armor setups, more as a personal project than a serious, like, expansive endeavor. But uh, I got to talking with some other comrades, um, Jay and uh, Void and a few other war names you probably haven't heard before. But we got to talking about, like, what, what could we do and what did we have between us in skills. And, um, you know, the... The price gouging in the body armor industry is... I mean, you expect it in all sporting goods and shooting-related stuff. And it, it's all... The markups are just outrageous on everything. But in this particular case, like, I I had been personally offended. <laughs> and I had... Um, so we, we got to talking about what we had the capacity to do because we had a lot of comrades in the area who did not have the financial capacity to uh, equip themselves. Um, and uh, we knew then, and I still believe, that our best way to deal with that is not to hold a fundraiser and buy price-gouged equipment. It's to manufacture what we can and buy what we can't uh, and cut out the grifting industry middlemen and uh, get gear 
on our friends and our neighbors and our comrades. Yeah, did I totally, totally stand behind that that mission because, uh, you know, I'm not I'm not someone that's in any way an expert body armor, but you know, I just I've been a consumer long enough. I bought how many bought? I think I've bought like three sets of body armor at this point in time, and I never went for steel because I, I I like I almost did like I almost made my first purchase in like the cheapest fucking most common steel. Uh, set that was just populating my fucking Facebook ads and YouTube and like, well, this this generic chud YouTuber I used to follow, where is it? And he says it's okay, so I'm gonna go, go and get it. Thank God I didn't, right? And like over time, the more I, I got invested into body armor and you know, being like, I don't want to get shit that doesn't work and or will get me killed or you know, or overpay for something that's not worth it. And you start realizing just like there's like so many so much misleading shit happening, right? Misleading marketing terms being willfully omitted or or willfully said in a manner that that could make you misinterpret what they what it actually means. Uh, the standards a lot of the time are not like consistent across and it's and if you don't know what you what you don't know, especially in this industry, you go for whatever is most popular and right in front of you. Oh, this marketing looked good. It have good production value. I guess I should trust it, right? So I totally get where you're coming from, and I really respect that you even like you said. You know what? You, me, me, and my buddies, we're gonna we're gonna just do it ourselves. We know what works, what doesn't, and we know what where the bullshit lies. So all the respect to you. Hey, I picked up student debt learning about material sciences. The least I can do is use the information. <laughs> yeah, no, right on, right on. Uh, you, you know, sorry to that to that point because now we're you know we're talking about where all where all this sort of uh, the cutty around corners, if you will, occurs in the industry. What do you think is an often overlooked aspect of body armor? Uh, I guess manufacturing. Let's start with that side. Let's start just from the manufacturing side. Um, o- overlooked in what sense? I guess need that they're fulfilling maybe even standards or do you think that what they're doing is misleading in some way i guess it's kind of a broad term i guess i'm using right now but kind of alluding to what i said earlier about like do you think they're purposely being misleading are they purposely trying to take advantage of newcomers ignorance to this sort of industry and what kind of corners are they cutting i know you kind of alluded to it earlier oh um Oh, the tales I could do tell, do tell. <laughs> the oh god, there's just so much. I don't even like. So this is one that I saw just a few days ago, and I'm still, I'm still heated about it. There are multiple companies selling uh, solid polyethylene plates, which uh, ultra high molecular weight polyethylene spectra. Uh, it's good armor, good enough anyway. Um, but they are selling it advertised as three plus. Um, but they're, you know, because it can catch uh, M193 ball, the, um, the very, very common 5.56 load, um, it can catch that, but it can't catch M855 green tips at all. Uh, they glide right through, carrying almost all of their kinetic energy through with them. But they don't, they, they don't say anywhere in the product description that it can stop green tips, so they're not technically lying to you, but they are heavily implying that the product can do something that it absolutely cannot do. And then they have the audacity to sell something that I know that they are buying from a factory for less than $40 a unit for $600. Jesus fucking Christ. That's exactly what I said. Three plus body armor technically isn't even like a official NIJ rating, right? That's just like a industry term. Yes, exactly. Um, and that reminds me, Oh, I was talking to Jay about this earlier and, um, and they were telling me that they saw an ad, like a push ad, on their timeline for some app or other, uh, advertising NIJ certified three plus. Armor. What? The NIJ, the NIJ does not right. have a three plus certification. That oh does not exist. That is the most bald faced, just gutsy, chutzpah laden bullshit lie. And and I like, wow! I I can't believe somebody said that with wrote that down. Yeah, I just don't. I mean, like, that's the other really fucked up part. Like, when we when we think about body armor manufacturers and companies and how they're advertising and the fact we've we've been speaking for a little bit now about the purposeful misleading marketing is like where there is like apparently not any real legal accountability. Apparently not because they're out here claiming a rating standard 
used by you know claiming that it's, it's been met under a government institution's standards which it hasn't because that that standard does not exist under that government institution and you know using all the terms all the buzzwords and jargon that you want to hear with body armor but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's true nij certified level three plus level four uh, you know, M8, you know, Vi5, a ball, a green tip, whatever, you know, it's like multi-hit rated, all these things you want to hear. But if you don't look at a glance, what these things mean, it's just like it's meaningless. And they're going to, like you just said earlier, upcharge you by absurd amount. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, and that's the thing is that technically that ad didn't lie in the sense that they told you something that was verifiably false that they could be held liable for. Um, it was an NIJ-rated product. It was not NIJ-rated for level 3+. plus. That's not even a real thing. But it was an NIJ-certified oh, okay. product. But they were lying. You know, they were exaggerating. Capabilities. They were through implication, right? They were, uh, And then uh, you go and actually look at the product page. And when they say 3+, plus, they, they don't explicitly say that it can stop anything in particular. It's like, oh, it, it stopped M855 at... Uh, 2,600 feet per second, and I'm like, oh my god, my 10-incher can do that. Um, it, things like that, right? So, so they didn't they didn't explicitly lie, but they implied more than they were actually selling. And uh, I find that is so common in not just body armor, but in all tactical industry mm-hmm. stuff. Um, is just like I'm going to imply that you are buying more than you are going to get. Since we're still on the topic of the manufacturing side, so the materials that we're looking at are con- that are typically used. We have steel, which is you know cheap, uh, unsafe, extremely heavy. Not don't ever get it. For and then you have more common ceramics, and I know that technology has certainly advanced over the years and pretty common. It's kind of the in between between it being a little bit more affordable, uh, it's pricier than steel, but it also is lighter and can be uh, pretty reliable. And then now we have uh, polyethylene, which I personally own, um, polyethylene plates, and then you get ones that are like hybrids, polyethylene ceramic, which, which is usually what you see when they start doing it as a level four. Um, so where do you kind of stand is is uh if i recall correctly your company mainly deals with ceramics and is polyethylene kind of like where everything should be going towards like that should be the standard no i wouldn't say that um so there there's sort of there's a lot of um advantages it's sort of a you know trade-off advantages disadvantages sort of situation but um all ceramic plates um have some sort of backing material and i would very confidently say that anything manufactured in the last couple of years is backed with polyethylene ballistic fiberboard. Um, so that that is the industry standard. Um, I have not seen anything else advertised in some time. Uh, there there was a time when they when um, Kevlar ballistic fiberboard was being used, but uh, polyethylene ballistic fiberboard is lighter, stronger, cheaper, and so there's just there's no room in the marketplace for Kevlar anymore. Um, but yeah, um, ceramic ceramic armor uh, is always backed with something. A freestanding piece of ceramic is too brittle. Uh, bullet's going to glide right through it, and then you're going to have a bullet wound with a bunch of ceramic chips in it. Nice seasoning. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, you know I don't want to be seasoned with silicon carbide. You know that's not my that's not my jam. But yeah, so. Um, Pure polyethylene plates have the advantage of being just comically light. Um, the 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 recon armor is just there's a product name for our 3A hard plates, uh, just pistol hard plates. Um, they only weigh 12 ounces. Damn. Uh, they are just under three quarters of a pound. It's like 11.9 on the scale. Uh, the curved one is slightly heavier because it's just a little bit more material in it. Um, and uh, and that will stand up to a comical amount of abuse as long as that abuse is in the form of handgun bullets. It, it does not stand up very well to rifles, and that's where the polyethylene starts to fail. Hard, fast-moving, small projectiles, uh, which is where weapons technology is headed, uh, does extremely well against pure polyethylene armor. Um, M855, uh, so we, ha- we work with a supplier uh, who manufactures our... our uh, polyethylene ballistic board for us that takes a very large multi-million dollar heated 120 ton press 
uh, no room in no room in the garage workshop for that, you know. Um, so we buy our ballistic fiberboard, uh, pre-manufactured, and the thickest they can manufacture it for us is 24 millimeters, and the majority of pure polyethylene level three plates are about 18 to 20 millimeters in thickness. So we got them to make us the thickest one they possibly could because we were trying to develop uh, an ultralight three plus option to put it out there because we'd seen that there were people, you know, that that's something that people were allegedly had. And what we found in our in-house testing was this just it does not work um it will not stop anything with a steel core or a steel jacket of any thickness um uh m855 um and then the 762 by 51 equivalent of m855 glide right through it and leave wound channels it i mean it's not really a wound channel because it's in a clay block but it leaves a cavity in the clay block almost the same size as it leaves on bare clay without an armor panel in between it. Uh, I don't really have a good way to measure how much energy is being carried through, but that really gives me a more than half of it vibe. And uh, and that's the thing is that polyethylene works extremely well against soft projectiles, large diameter projectiles, um, but uh, fast, hard projectiles, small, fast, hard projectiles just go right on through. Um, and, but that's not enough to like throw out throw the baby out with the bathwater. It's it's just amazingly lightweight, and you can get it manufactured uh, in a variety of shapes. Prototyping is very fast. Like, yeah. So there, there's it's not it's not a bad technology, but you're always going to have assault rifle threats and battle rifle threats out there in the world with steel jacketed ammunition or steel penetrator bearing ammunition. Or in some cases, uh, brass and copper solids have had some pretty good penetration characteristics as well. Uh, that's out there in the world. It's not super common, not yet anyway, but it's out there. And the polyethylene on its own just can't. Now you got me second guessing what I got, which I'm going to consult you after this is over real quick. <laughs> but yeah, as you said, what I love about polyethylene is that it's stupidly lightweight. Like, I remember I... It just wasn't the current set I have now. It was the last set I had, which was also polyethylene, and it was like a it was like a three plus thing, like below what I currently own. And I I did some like training thing with a friend of mine, and we had our a carrier set up and everything. We're just gonna do some like whatever training, and uh, they were in, they were in the Marine Corps back in like two thousand like fucking four or five, like early when they they all had like early phases i think interceptor armor whatever is like ceramic and stuff and like this is like a time period where like you could literally drop your plate carrier and shatter your plates because that's how it was back in the day and um so you know marines back in, in that time were just used to carrying a bunch of super heavy shit all fucking times and so i i showed i showed uh, them my uh my plate carrier with the plates and they were just like what the fuck is this it's like a toy like I'm, what am i lifting right now it's like it's like comically um light and that's why i love about that because i'm not i'm not a particularly big guy and i love if i can cut off some weight i'm gonna fucking do it but now i get it's got it's got me thinking like i really hope that the rating specifications on there are definitely what they say they are because like i said earlier i mean like i said earlier like we can all be easily misled out here oh rose you got anything to add i was just gonna bring up the fact that um <clears throat> i've the fact that people think that armor stops the things that get through armor big heavy bullets like a shotgun slug or something but the problem with uh stopping rounds it's the small fast light stuff like you said the small smaller caliber rifle rounds um does uh the does this polyethylene armor stop like those big like uh shotgun slugs and stuff oh without a doubt um it's it is a great weapon or a great armor platform against big heavy slow moving projectiles um it distributes that impact uh over a wide area and those fibers elongate and it soaks that energy up uh it i mean it doesn't actually soak that energy up that's not how energy works but it distributes it over a large enough area of your body while also preventing penetration that uh the wounding is minimal um, yeah, uh, we have um, a 3A soft panel that we shot with a shotgun slug, and um, the back face deformation 
was enough that you would have a wound. Where rib shattering, organ bruising, it, not an injury, a wound. But you wouldn't have a great big sucking chest wound with a shotgun slug somewhere behind you in the dirt. Yeah, I just I just wanted to address that because I know that's a common misconception that people have is that it's it's the smaller, faster calibers, it's the F the FPS, the speed of the round that is really the force that moves a bullet through the armor rather than the weight of it. Good point. Good point. So again, that that was a you know, thank you for your input. Like uh really great insight into how these materials are used and in, in, in uh work. We're seeing now some pretty in my opinion, will pretty advanced to my perspective, uh, body armor tech where they're, you know, I'm seeing like level four rated plates going like under five pounds and such, or like closer to like four and a half pounds, which is pretty, pretty awesome to me. Um, is in your opinion, again, I'm not going to name names, but in your opinion, is that something that you think is legitimate? Like they've actually done it. That is entirely feasible. I believe that that is a thing that can be done. Um, uh, since I'm not saying anything negative, I don't feel too bad about name dropping, but, um, Hesco has an elite line, like their fancy, like Gucci shit, um, that is made with boron carbide as the ceramic component. And yeah, you can get level four down around four or four and a half pounds. You've got to use tiles that cost over 10 times as much as a silicone carbide that most people wow. are using right now. Um, so, I mean, that's probably one of their products that has the least price gouging, just because the material prices are so high. Uh, how much do they usually go for? Um, I want to say that they're moving them for a grand a pair, but that's I'm, I am not a HESCO sales rep. I am hmm. a consumer, um, and I looked at their catalog some time ago, so this is Max's fallible memory, <laughs> not a quote. Fair enough. Um, that, yeah, that's, that's really cool. I... I got the opportunity to sit down in a. I was not part of it, but I got to sit down during the production of a podcast with body armor manufacturers, like top some of the top of the line guys in there, and they were describing uh, the uh, what their projects were, what their future things were going to be, and how they're doing crazy stuff with polyethylene and such. I've heard some pretty wild stuff coming from there, and they 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 were saying that like they're currently working with at a molecular level like using like like a nano technology to inject polyethylene into like clothing lines so like getting john wick style body armor where like your suit can stop not only knives but like a variety of small caliber rounds like pistol rounds and shotgun stuff um which to me i don't think that like, i'm not saying that i i don't believe that, that would totally happen i think that was totally feasible but it's a sort of like is that something that's feasible within like 10 years? Like that's hmm, pretty interesting. John wick style body armor. I don't know. Life comes at you fast. So things might change quickly, but if somebody told me they were marketing a product like that right now, I wouldn't need to look at it to tell you. Oh yeah. Yeah. Def they didn't say it was happening right now. They said like within like a 10, 10 year or more time span, but yeah. Well, salespeople tend to, and again, I don't know these people, and I'm not accusing anyone of lying, but in my experience working in a manufacturing setting uh, for my W-2 employment as well, salespeople exaggerate what production people tell them. Right. <laughs> so what may have happened was someone in their research and development department may have said, if you give us an unlimited budget and 10 years, we might have something for you. And then by the time that makes it to a sales brochure, it is, we will have this in 10 years. It's it's the same with popular science articles. Right, right, right. I think that John Wick shrugs off those shots wearing that thin suit body armor pretty well. I don't think it would go over that well in real life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that thing is magic. I mean, he gets a little bit bruised while he's, like, eating full magnums and pistols. Like, oh, wow. I mean, fuck. No wonder he has no problems killing dudes. I was just going to say, like, yeah, if whatever R&D or development side had unlimited budget and unlimited time, whatever, like, and no restrictions whatsoever, we would actually have hoverboards by now. But we don't. Like, from Back to the Future, it was we were lied to when we watched that movie. It's all lies. Moving on to, from the manufacturing side, 
from a customer side, and we've talked about this before, you know, I'm a consumer uh, or I'm a customer. I'm trying to go body armor shopping. Maybe I know very little about what to get for. And what would you say, I guess, how, how to phrase this, what would you warn, I guess, a, a person who's getting into body armor, per, you know, purchasing? Like, what should they avoid? What are misleading, common misleading jargon or terms or phrases that you, you hear and see a lot? And also beyond that, uh, what are misleading marketing videos? Because that's very common, right? Seeing these ads like, oh, look at my body armor. Look at my steel or body armor taking this shot. And there's no spalling because we put balloons around it. You know, shit like that. I, I've seen that video. Um, I would say um, if I wanted to give one piece of universal blanket advice for someone new who's trying to fir- buy their first rig and put something together, don't buy steel. That's it. That's the thing. Um, the, I mean, I've got other like general tactical advice, and I guess it's related to armor, so I'll drop it in here. But um, something that people never talk about and that everyone ends up learning the hard way is that everything in your gear made of fabric is a consumable item. Your plate carrier, your belt, your clothes, your jacket, your magazine pouches everything you have that is made of fabric is a consumable item that will be degraded the threads will rip out it does not matter who made it it doesn't matter how good it is it doesn't matter how much you paid for it you're gonna fall you're gonna hit something on the way down and rip a huge gouge out of something made of nylon um that's just that's just how it is and uh you're gonna kick yourself too because it's gonna be the most expensive piece of gear you have on yeah (laughs) true (laughs) I, I, I have to go through this rant with um, young people in our shooting groups and uh, around here. And it's they, they buy something and they're really happy with it and they're like, this is going to last forever. And then they got to buy another one after we have our first real rigorous training weekend. So, um, and that's just the thing. It's like, that's not a bad thing either. Like, uh, you just need to be aware of it and prepared for it that um, it's okay to try out a new plate carrier because you will need another new one after you go and have three or four really good training weekends where you actually throw your body at the ground like you're trying not to get shot. Um, so um, that is that is a piece of advice I'd throw out there. It's not directly related to what I do, but uh, it is a, it's a gap in the popular consciousness knowledge that I think needs to be closed. Um, but other than that, just just don't buy steel. It's never good to buy steel. There's no steel product. There are steel products that are better than others. But at the end of the day, even if you end up with a steel product that has a real fragmentation mitigation wrap of some kind made of Kevlar or resin cemented fiberglass, uh, because truck bed liner does not work, truck bed liner takes the edge off. Even if you do that, it's still going to weigh more than twice as much as something that would only cost maybe half again as much to do the same job. And uh, your back is a finite resource that you are <laughs> depreciating in yep. real time. I'm so, I'm so happy you said that because I say that to fucking everyone. Fucking everyone. Everyone from uh, veterans to uh, new gun people, to people who, who are wanting to shop body armor, you know, quote unquote, on a budget. And I'm just like, when it comes to PPE, whatever it is, you know, respirator, a gas mask, your body armor, whatever, like things that you're relying upon to protect your, literally protect your body from threats, cheaping out can can be the difference between life or death. Like shit you not. You are you pay for what you get for. You get what you pay for, right? A lot of the times. Now get me wrong, there are people out there who fucking wanna shill your ass and, you know, scam you, but but like like you just said, like that material steel, it's not great. There is like you know, I shit you not, I I've I have heard you know, war vets, guys who've been through, you know, guys and gals, whatever, who have been through shit that I've never been through, but they come back out of it and it does, I say this all the time, people come in the military, right? Not that I say they, to use that against you, but if you don't keep up with like modern technology and techniques and methodologies 
after you get out, you were behind the curve in terms of what you actually know. And so I've had these people tell me that like, oh, steel's great. Steel is, uh, it's, it's heavy, so therefore it's durable. I'm like, none of the, that's not true at all. That's not how logic works. That's not how any of that fucking works. No, not true at all. <laughs> so, uh, you know, <laughs> really, really happy that you, uh, that you, that you're, you're, you're reaffirming what I've been fucking telling people this entire goddamn time. Um, well, I mean, but that's the thing though, is that steel is remarkably durable. Um, I've got a steel plate from that production line back in 2014 that we use as a target that I have shot, and this is not an exaggeration, over a thousand times. Now, it's a bowl at this point. <laughs> right. Um, it, is, it, is no longer, it is no longer a flat sheet of steel, but it doesn't have any holes in it. Um, and so that's cool, but it also weighs 11 pounds. <laughs> And that's without a fragmentation liner. That's right. just the piece of metal. So, like, and that's that's what I'm getting at is that even if you do what you need to do to make steel an effective armor, you have now made it heavy enough that it's not worth it. You're never going to wear it. You're going to make excuses not to wear it. It's going to hurt to use. You also right. like you don't need your armor to survive over a thousand rounds you know that's just not hopefully you're not getting shot that many times in your armor i'm getting shot a thousand times oh the exact God, same yes. spot you know just <laughs> that that is that is such a fucking thing oh my god like okay multi-hit matters burst fire weapons exist i understand why people are interested but if you are going to be shot more than five times center of mass in a very short window of time, you have probably also been shot in a great many places you are not wearing plates, and you have a different oh, yeah. problem. Exactly. Like, like it, you're <laughs> more than likely got dumbed in the head, or a round went up your face, or hit your throat, or hit your hit your right in the groin, or in the gut, where most uh, your chest plate carrier does not going to be protecting your gut. Uh, or your limbs, right? We, you know, you're not wearing some fucking Mandalorian Beskar. I'm sorry. You know, the technology that don't exist yet. Sorry, pal. I mean, if you're taking a thousand <laughs> rounds in, in steel armor, you're it's going to look like you went through a cheese grater anyway. Oh, yeah, that too. <laughs> um, yeah, that's, yeah, there's that. That's a whole thing. Um, but the thing is that body armor is not meant to make you bulletproof. It is meant to stop you from getting a bullet wound in a place where you will bleed to death before you can be elevated to higher level care yep. than a field medic. That's it. That's the only thing it's supposed to do, is to keep you from getting a bullet wound in your heart, lungs, vena cava. Um, yep. That's it. And it and it does that job just fine. But it, you need to be aware that when you put on body armor, you're not protecting yourself from maiming. You're not protecting yourself from being taken out of the fight. You're protecting yourself from a one-shot sh one life stopper uh, besides your face. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. Broken ribs are still a very serious injury. Of course, easily. Because I mean, your, your bones can puncture organs. It happens all the fucking time. Like, yeah. You know, it's not like GoldenEye when you get body armor. It's like adds to your health bar like yeah that's not not how that works sorry <laughs> yeah you're not adding to your health bar you're just making one spot on you harder to poke a hole in yeah right on um you know we, you spoke about it about steel and how misleading it is the whole um um what do you call it the the backer that's meant to stop anti-spalling coating whatever um what are uh the common materials used and, and why is it like not reliable um, so basically everyone who's selling steel right now is using some sort of polyurea or polyurethane or rubberized polyurethane coating um, or some variant on those things. And it's not that they don't work with a capital don't. Um, they are not effective for what they are advertised to do. They will mitigate the amount of spall that comes off of a hit. They will catch some of it but it's still a significant volume of that bullet is leaving that plate uh at a wounding velocity well wound isn't not quite the right word because it's a little sliver of copper but a little sliver of copper that you know pokes a hole in your neck can still give you a really bad weekend um so that's so those sorts of secondary impact injuries um there's not a lot of data on that because there are actually very few 
people who actually get shot at as part of their day job who use steel. Uh, by very few, I would hazard a guess that nobody who has that sort of work where they're exposed to that sort of hazard in a common way. So there's really not a large body of data on that sort of secondary injury. But, um, you know, there's a reason we all wear iPro at the range, because even if you're 25 feet away from that sort of ejecta, it can still hurt you. Um, yep, yep. So, yeah, it's... it's um, so those the, the problem with those technologies is that... Um, they're basically just a sheet of closed cell foamed plastic rubberized fo- rubberized stuff actually works best um, but it, it's not going to contain everything and it's going to get blown off of the plate in chunks around impact sites and that's where you get into the multi-hit issue so like that third or fourth hit you know the it didn't go through the plate but the entire bullet turned into a bunch of little shreds or uh, uh, ribbons that came off the plate and embedded themselves in your upper arm, you know. Um, So uh, when they do the thicker coatings, those work better. But again, you're adding a ton of weight. Um, And the one that really blows my mind is, uh, I'm not going to name anyone specifically, but there's only one supplier I know of that does this. But when they do their thicker truck, essentially glorified truck bed liner coating, they thicken it on the the reverse side as well, not just the strike face. So you're adding superfluous weight to even it out, I guess, and that's the only function? Because nothing's coming off the back of that armor. You are not a main battle tank. <laughs> you are not being hit by a heat round. There is no spall involved. In the, in the material sciences, technical meaning of the word spall, which is a piece of the armor coming off on the inside as a result of impact shock. Small arms don't generate enough energy to do that by about an order right. of magnitude. Uh, hmm. So so putting up so putting that sort of stuff on the back of the plate doesn't do anything except add weight. That's interesting. Wow, never really never, I never knew that, huh? Um you know, uh, you know, moving on and thank thank you for all that really. Um big big stand, you know, big topic of conversation with anything related to ballistic protection is the NIJ standard or the uh National Institute of Justice, there's the government body that gives the official ballistic rating from, you know, level three, level three, a level four, et cetera. Um, not three plus. We're going to reiterate that. Why is it so difficult for someone, a lot of these body armor manufacturers to get an official NIJ standard certification and how important is it to have that NIJ standard certification? That's that's a lot of questions, so it might take a little bit to okay. dig into all of it. But um, so I'll, I'll I'll start someplace where I'm really confident in my answer. Uh, the NIJ testing process and their testing standard is pretty good. Um, it ha- there are some weaknesses in the test design. Um, the uh, hits within two inches of the edge of a plate are considered invalid hits. So if a plate fails, but only if the hit lands within two inches of the edge, that doesn't count as a fail. Um, and there are a few other circumstances like that um, that are, you know, I, they make me go, are you sure? But um, for the most part, it's a good test. Um, it's it for, for, you know, for what they're trying to do, where they're trying to comparatively index um, a very complicated ballistic event. Um, you know, that's, uh, it's a good test. Like, it, overall, it's way better than nothing. But um, there, there are things missing, like um, the NIJ testing standard does not test for any 5.56 threats. The most common threat in North America, full stop, it's not part of the test. Really? Um, yeah, the 5.56 does not come up. It might come up in the next revision, but they've been working on that revision for over a decade. And it's still, you know, they're still in the uh, drafting phase of getting an updated test put together and it's it's been that's over bizarre since they started that process. so legally <laughs> the armor doesn't have to stop five five six correct and that's how you can get away with selling an nij certified level three plate made out of pure polyethylene because to get that nij certified stamp it only has to stop a 30 caliber projectile that's about 150 grains fmj it's it's m80 ball specifically nato m80 ball um at a like 2850 uh, right around there fps 
uh, has to catch six of those without having any of the back face deformation exceed 44 millimeters. Uh, that's it. And then you get your stamp, except it's not that simple. In order to get certified, you have to submit upwards of 30 plate samples, which for a huge company that's moving thousands a week, that's nothing. Um, we sold our 100th plate of the new 3 Plus line a few days ago, and we've been doing this for two years. Oh, wow. Um, so, yeah, so there's that, right? We sell a lot of other stuff, and we sell a lot of plates of other designs. But, but that's just things like for this line, for this particular line of products that we've, we've had for about a year now, uh, we've only moved 100 of them. So 30 is kind of a big deal. <laughs> But there's that. So that's so. There's the material cost, which for a small producer is significant. But there's also um, the actual testing itself. In order for it to be considered valid by the National Institute of Justice, it has to be done by a laboratory that's been certified by the National Institute of Justice. So uh, those laboratories, there are only a handful in the entire country, and they know that. And uh, the lowest quote when we asked about this, I mean, this was way back in 2015 or 2016 with a, the steel body armor operation that I was part of. Um, we got a quote from HP White is the company, I think. It, they closed recently, so I sort of wrote them off in my mind. Um, but they were a very common uh, company, or they were bought by somebody or something. Something happened. They're not available anymore. Um, and the quote that we got from them, the lowest one that we got was $16,000. Jesus fucking Christ. And, and is that uh, not including the 30 plates you have to... No, it does not include the 30 plates. And it does not include the flying a representative from your company out to their laboratory to stay and be available for oh up my to God. a week. What the fuck is that? Uh, so that's the thing. So, so like there are some pretty big financial uh, limitations there, right? So for a big producer, it's a trivial cost. Pay to send an employee somewhere for a week provide 30 product samples, pay $16,000. That's a footnote in their budget. So, and that's and that's the thing is that the NIJ test isn't about consumer protection. It's about protecting the state when it makes very large contract purchases for government use, which is that's what the National Institute of Justice is doing research for. And uh, it's kind of unfortunate that that's become the industry standard because it's led to a lot of grifting. Because even some medium-sized companies can't make that work. And they do things like like find ways to creatively not really lie to you about whether or not it's certified. Which is, you know, it's interesting that, that they do that because we've never had any trouble moving our entire product. We, we are perpetually sold out. Uh, we put in as many hours as we can trying to keep up with back orders. And we don't lie to people about being NIJ certified. We are not. We lack the capacity to make that happen. It's interesting to me that, that people are willing to go to the point of risking liability by misleading in that way. But then but then I look at the, even the big manufacturers who, for this part of the conversation, I will definitely not name. Not a single one of them fully certifies their catalog. I think I've noticed that, yeah. Every, yeah, every single large supplier has products that they do not certify because they only certify a couple of things so they can say they're a certified supplier and so they can sell those particular products to large government contract and uh you know and 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 i'm not trying to knock anybody on this one because like peace of mind is a significant part of what your armor is supposed to do it's supposed to keep your blood on the inside and it's also supposed to make you feel like your blood's going to stay on the inside so you can do what you need to do out there in a dangerous environment right like that's an important part of what the armor is supposed to do as well so if if that if that rubber stamp from the national institute of justice gives you that confidence like you're not going to hurt my feelings if you tell me that my gear is not good enough that's okay you've got to do what works for you i myself don't actually get a confident feeling from that certification because i invite you all to hurt yourselves and your comfort right now by uh when you listen to this podcast look up your favorite supplier and look up their certification their decertification notices on the nij website where their products have failed follow-up testing huh uh because all of them have at least one some truth bombs here to be fair, you do upload videos of your tests, of uh, testing your, your plates. Thank you, Rose. That was exactly what I was That's actually what I was going to uh, uh, transition to, was actually what goes into <laughs> your testing process. I'm very curious. I've seen some of the videos like, way back in the day, like, I think, 
I mean, not way, maybe two or three years ago, I think. Yeah. Those are probably um, line test prototyping or batch testing. I could tell you specifically if I knew the date, but yeah. So uh, I was about to say that, like, what what gives me confidence? So I know that when they're mass manufacturing and quality control becomes an issue of percentages, that that rubber stamping isn't good enough for me. I need to see an identical product get shot with a common threat, with the threats I expect to face for myself to feel comfortable. So when we were talking about how we were going to make this project work, that was something I insisted on, that we have to make our testing process not just publish the results, but we had to make the whole process completely transparent because that having confidence in your gear thing is of... It's it's one of the most important things to me, and I'm pretty sure it matters to a lot of other people, and I want to make sure that we can do that for everyone. That So our testing process, um, we try to uh, replicate the NIJ test to the best of our abilities. We do not have a fancy enclosed shooting space with a, with a real radar machine. Uh, we have to use uh, other ways to gauge velocity, and we have to shoot outdoors, but... Uh, so there are some limitations to what we can do, but we can buy a block of Roma Plastilina number one, or number two rather, and we can, you know, we can replicate the majority of the tests with a reasonable amount of precision, because it's not a bad test. It's a good test. There are a couple of limitations with that edge strike situation and not testing for the most common threat in North America. So, so we extend the, so we replicate it to the best of our abilities, and we extend it to the things that matter to us, like. Uh, will it protect you from 5.56? That is a, that cannot be an open question if you're going to wear that armor in North America. We want to cover that. Um, and then we, we, also, we also try to work an edge strike in. And by try, I mean I frequently miss our target marks, <laughs> land edge strikes, because it turns out if you scope all your rifles for 100 yards and you shoot at something 25 feet away, it's... It does, yeah, it's you, you try to hit a very small it's edge hard. of the armor, right? So... Yeah, well, it's the thing is that, like, so you've got to get six, and you want to space them out a little bit, at least. So we're trying to replicate that NIJ test, right? Um, so there's not a lot of plate for you to shoot. Uh, so we almost always end up getting a good edge strike in our testing pattern, whether we mean to or not, because bullet doesn't always land where you mean for it to. It's embarrassing, but it happens. <laughs> Especially when you're trying to shoot at something that's so close it's barely in your scope field. Right. But, um, yeah. Uh, like you, you'd think that shooting at something closer would be easier. I invite you to try that. <laughs> yeah, so, so we, we do that. We test it against uh, common threats, uh, likely threats. We, uh, we, test our, we tested our 3A hard armor against uh, the Daniel Defense, or Lehi, was it Lehigh? The Lehigh Penetrators, the copper solids that look like a screwdriver head. You know, because people were talking about those being out there and uh, them being effective against uh, pistol armor platforms. So we added that to our testing. It turns out they're not actually that good at penetrating armor, but uh, it was out there. It was in the popular consciousness. It was an open question, and it had to be closed. So we add things to that test to cover likely threats, and we film everything and make it available to people on a batch basis. So every time we get a new batch of materials from our suppliers and start assembling those plates, we test those materials, um, and we verify that they are all up to snuff, and we measure things. Like, uh, is everything uh, within nominal thickness? Um, is the density on the uh, tiles, on the ceramics, correct? We go through that rigmarole because it's important. We have to be able to, with great confidence, say, if I write on the website, this piece of armor will stop this projectile without enough backface deformation to seriously wound you, that has to be true. And it doesn't only... It, and it's, it's, it doesn't just have to be true. It has to be true, and I have to be able to show it. Uh, and, and that's really important to me. And so we have, um, whenever we do a batch test, those videos go up. They're uncut videos. Sometimes we do that little fast-forward effect if there's a sure. long period of time where we're rambling at each other. But, you know, it's an uncut video. Uh, we publish the results of all of our testing, and we try to keep that as transparent as possible. And uh, we haven't gone quite so far as to offer custom testing but um we have added things to our testing regimen when people have brought up concerns um and we're trying to make this a collaborative process we're trying to meet a need right 
So that's that's what we put into our. No, that's awesome. Process. No, I mean that's great, and it's fantastic that you're extremely transparent about that too. To really, as someone that you're, you're coming from, I mean, I think the best kind of uh, businesses or manufacturers out there are people that come from the consumer side. Like, oh, this is what I personally experienced. This is the personal uh, uh, shortcomings I'm seeing in this industry. This is what I'm going to do to work towards fixing those things. I mean, that's, that's the best kind of service, really. That's really awesome. I wanted to ask you next, uh, less about your armor, but now more about how the, your company is actually run because it's a workers uh, co-op, right? It's it's not like there's a central hierarchy, uh, you know, shithead CEO for like NBA bro running the place who just comes in whatever the fuck he feels like it and just yells at people or whatever, right? No, nothing like that. Um, we, we run things democratically. Um, if we ever turn a profit worth mentioning, it, it, we're going to pay out profit share based on effort, and um, it, you know people contribute what they can when they can, and uh, you know everyone we've worked out the buy-in and we've let people work off their buy-in, um, and you know I mean we're just trying to get stuff done, and you know it's friends and comrades helping each other on a project and getting invested in a project, um, and uh, I mean for the most part we don't really have a lot of disagreements because you know you, you don't come to this mission unless you want to do it um so i mean we'll have we'll have you know disagreements on implementation and stuff like that but for the most part that's we stay mission oriented so um that's awesome because like a lot of the times i mean the common the common like argument for a traditional hierarchical uh you know biz, you know business is that Oh, you got to have accountability. You have to have managers that people have to be held accountable to, and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I guess to you, how how does your? I guess you kind of spoke upon it earlier. How does your company maintain you know maintain accountability, stay on track, and stay committed to pushing out things when they have to? Well, volunteer is not the right word because you gotta you gotta work your way in or buy your way in. We don't just let any of our friends wander in off the street and decide that they're part of the group, but. Like, for the most part, everyone who's here wants to be here because they want to do this project. This is not anybody's day job. Uh, nobody's making their living here. Um, and I think that that could be part of it. Like, the stakes are maybe a little lower on that level. You know, if somebody's not feeling up to putting in their best effort today, that's okay. You know, come back and try again tomorrow. Like, real life happens. We all have other jobs, right? But, like, for accountability, we just... We actually, <laughs> no, this is actually a pretty good analogy. We take it back to gun fundamentals, do it slow, do it right, do it fast later. And uh, so that's that's sort of our, our accountability model is as long as the quality of the work you're doing is on point, take however much time you need um, and take the time you need to do it right. Uh, and uh, that might be why we have so many back orders, but... <laughs> <laughs> It keeps the rate of returns rather low as right. well. So. Because yours, is a, it's a small op operation happening, but it's a group of people who are very committed. They're only in it because they want to be. So that kind of in and of itself filters out the bullshit in terms of people who just want to come by. I'm not really committed to this thing, et cetera, et cetera. And like you said, if it's not like what people are staking their livelihoods, I mean, that can kind of be a double-edged sword. You can make counter-argument that. It could be if it's their day job, they'd be more committed. But the other side could be is that it's someone that they're relying to, you know, as their day job, and they may look for ways to, like, pass off accountability so they can kind of catch a freebie or something like that. But it's very similar, I guess, in some ways to how we do things at, at YPT. I mean, we're not a business. We've never made a single buck off anything. And the, the money that comes out of that goes towards... T- uh, mutual aid or donations, things like that, to good causes. But when we push content or whatever, I mean, we do so. We try to, we try our best to like be regular and you know, consistent with our content. Uh, I'm not always the best because sometimes my podcast episodes don't come out when they should be coming out. But it, it is that sort of thing. It's like it's not, not our full time job. Everyone's putting out the best what they, what they can when they can, and there's no uh, no need for a douchey CEO. Yeah, and I. I personally have no faith in the Miltonian model of management, uh, which you may not know it by that name, but we have all had the misfortune of learning about how it works. It is the predominant style of management in North America, um, and uh, it's not even efficacious. Like, you don't get your best work out of people when you drink. Oh, yeah, I know from experience. It's fucking dog shit. It's dehumanizing. 
It's you're you are literally a cog in the machine that 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 is like how it's meant to have been since the beginning of time that when this was developed is meant to treat you like a cog in the machine. No matter how many times you try to dress up with fancy words like we're a family in this company, oh, bullshit, right? It's just, no. If if you were to die today, they would replace you the next day and not think twice about it. Yeah, no. If we're if this business is like a family, then I'm just gonna yell, "You're not my real dad." And go <laughs> Um, but yeah, that's the thing is that like, this is it, it, you know, it, nobody who has invested money doesn't put their hands on tools, right? Like this is very much worker owned in a very meticulous and rigorous sense of that is that everybody who's invested in this project works on something. And, uh, and that's because like, who, who did we ask to invest in this project was the people who are working on it like this is very much um, very much a syndicalist project uh, in in a political sense um, and I'm actually really proud of that um, I think we've done a pretty good job of maintaining democracy and uh, establishing um, uh, zones or not zones but like like um, uh, topics of expertise and speciality and uh, and responsibility so like I'm I'm the material science guy I have a background in material science I have a background in engineering I've been shooting guns for wow 29 years um, and uh, so so that technical end is on me and then Jay has a background in uh, business accounting and is really good with the paperwork and keeps all that stuff running and uh, fantastic camera work. Um, we've, we've got other, you know, like, so we, we have zones of specialization and uh, responsibility and, um, and we've divvied up the work in what we feel is a fair and balanced way and we're here to get this job done. Um, and that, I think, really simplifies the whole structure. Like, nobody's been brought into this project just to do the pro- like like, just to be a component in the project right like everyone's been brought into the project because they've got a stake in it um uh, on an emotional or political level as well that that's that to me is also a core missing component in 99 percent of working america is do you truly believe in the what you're doing day to day most people cannot say that you know i'm gonna be honest i don't think i can even say that right now for my you know for what for what i do and it's when you have that level of passion commitment it's not you know it becomes like less about work more about like this is something i'm doing that's very special to me it's something unique that i'm putting out to the world so they're more likely to be committed and doing putting their best foot forward to that project i i completely agree i mean it's great Oh, 110%. Most jobs in America are bullshit and nobody can blame you. Yep, even conservatives can't fucking deny that one. Don't tell me y'all fucking work your day jobs, every single one of you, and you you just think it's the greatest thing of all time, right? There's nothing wrong with it. So, moving on, uh, what are any uh, new product lines that are coming out of Red Star or future projects you want to uh, speak upon? Oh, um, actually, I have some exciting news, and I've been Sweet. waiting for this All part right. of the show. Um, so this morning, we went out and tested um, a new wrap design technique. So the, the outer wrap of the plate that keeps the tiles held down to the polyethylene when it gets hit with bullets. Um, so we, we, had, uh, we, we got a new design for that, uh, and we tested it out on the multi-curve plate, and uh, it worked... A little bit better than I expected it to work. Um, so we have finally finished the multi-curve problem. It's it's over. Oh God, it's over! Thank God, it's over. You're like uh, so, multi-curve is done. It's on the way. We've had multi-curve plates that work since December, but we have been trying to figure out how to wrap them in a way that they don't look like garbage. And again, going back to that confidence thing, like whether, you know, if your product, it doesn't matter if your product works, if it looks like garbage, um, because like no one will, no one will believe that you worked hard on it. When they see that the aesthetic component is sloppy, they're going to think every part of it's sloppy. And for most products in the world, they're not even going to be wrong. So, so again, with that confidence thing, it was really important to us that if we were going to put that in inventory, that it had to that you had to be able to see when you picked it up off the table that we had put real work into it and that that's yeah that's 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 a big thing for me and i'm, I'm constantly harping on that shit in steering committee meetings <laughs> of, 
Yeah, so we, we, we've had a working multi-curve plate in terms of does it stop the bullets for months. Um, and we've been dealing with this problem of how do we get the, uh, the, you know, the outer wrap that we use uh, to lay down flat. Right. <laughs> uh, you know, it sounds like such a simple problem. But then you 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 tease an, a release of multi-curve, and you know, and you because you think you've got it figured out, and then it doesn't actually work. Right. And you got to go back and tease. We're gonna release multi-curve real soon. It's coming real soon. Uh, this was so frustrating. I had to set it down and walk away for a couple of weeks because everything I tried would solve one problem and create another or just not work at all or be so prohibitively labor or cost intensive that we couldn't make it work within the, our, our like projected price limitations. And then it's over. It's over. This morning, we took it out. We tested it. We put it through its paces. The new wrap works perfectly. And it looks so Hell yeah, good. man. All right. Well, good. I mean, this morning, that's awesome. Wow. Very, very hot, hot off the press. Yeah. Very exciting. Yeah, you know, uh, if we'd recorded this one day earlier, I'd only be able to give you a tease that <laughs> real soon. At least this time, I wouldn't have been lying. So, well, <laughs> looks like my procrastination to get you on here paid off after all. Multi curve, uh, fantastic multi-curve timing, fantastic real game changer. So that's exciting. I love yeah, multi curve. Uh, it really is, and uh, you know, people have been riding us about this since we started selling plates like when are you getting multi-curve when are you getting multi-curve and i'm like nobody will sell us components to make multi-curve at anything resembling a reasonable price point so i don't know (laughs) 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 and uh you know and we finally we made it work and i'm really excited and the we ended up having to develop an entirely different wrap technique um that in the the final outer coating is just a thin layer of uh, polyuria it's uh, you know it's a glossy black shit right it's you know it doesn't matter how ugly the fabric wrap underneath is because you can't see it um it's actually not bad either it lays down real smooth but it's actually so nice that we're looking at um doing it like like transitioning away from the old wrap technique uh for our entire catalog um it's going to be a while before we get around to doing that um because there's a lot of overhead in the pro in the application process, and we've only got a jig for doing multi curve. But you know, it's uh, it's it's in the pipe. Right on, right on. So we're looking at doing that at some point in the future. We're going to transition. All of our plates are going to be glossy black and look just. Presentation matters. I mean, matters in, in the culinary world too. So when we when we were talking over the questions in the car ride home from testing. Um, uh, we talked about you know what's missing in the industry end right like what's industry overlooking yep. is one of the, the things in the yep. question sheet you gave us and it's um just to be real blunt about it it's plates for people who have a large chest of course i can't believe and, i didn't bring this uh, up yeah of course and everyone is dropping the ball on that you know um if you you know if you've got big tits and a need for hard armor god save you <laughs> <laughs> because uh I, I feel, you know, I already feel bad about it, and I would feel worse if the large companies with huge R&D budgets weren't also dropping this ball really hard. It's an open engineering problem. Uh, we've been working on it. Um, the best idea we can come up with is multi-curve with more curve. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, it's just, it's a, a geometric engineering problem. Right. And we're go- we're going to solve it eventually. But I really, you know, every time, you know, every time somebody asks, when is this going to be done? I'm like... Oh shit! It's a multi curve all over again, <laughs> and uh, multi curve PTSD. And I, I, yeah, it's it's uh, and and the thing is that like it is something that the industry has not adequately handled, um, and uh, and it's not just the body armor industry. Like for a lot of PPE, where you have to have some sort of hard chest covering, like uh, fencing gear for for mm-hmm. uh, Olympic right. sport fencing. Um, what I hear from um, uh, comrades who have large chests is that that gear even for fencing like which is an old technology people have been wearing like fencing panels like on their chests in in women's fencing in the olympics for decades and they're uncomfortable they're cumbersome and nobody's doing anything to make them better um and uh it's i don't know if i myself have the the talent or the insight or the inspiration to come up with a solution but like somebody's gotta we have been dropping a ball here collectively for a minute. 
Well, we've been saying that since like day one uh, at YPT, since like our first episode, is that a body armor, firearms, uh, like concealed carry uh, accessories, and clothing lines and tactical gear, like chest plate care, uh, just plate carriers and such, like these are not conforming to like women or femme, you know, femme or femme friends out there. It, it just not because that, that's the last thing on their mind. And to many companies out there, that's not their money maker, right? So they're not going to they care about doing that. And that is something that's always been missing in every component of defensive wear whatsoever or defensive industry, you know, uh, tools for that matter. You know, uh, last I saw was that RMA was doing boob cut armor. Yeah, that that's the only uh, real example I've heard of of anyone that's major of going towards that direction. You know, uh, I don't know what the quality of that is. But I'm just happy that someone's even bothered going there. At least that could kind of start the trend. Maybe someone can look at it and say, all right, maybe this could use some improvement. I'll do this instead. It's got to start somewhere, and I'm glad we've got something to work with. But yeah, you're you're 100% on this. It's It's a huge gap in the industry, and... I don't know when it's going to get bridged. I like, yeah. So it, it's something I've been asked about. It's something I'm kicking myself about. Um, if we ever do come up with a design, we have a supplier who will work with us and create multi-curve polyethylene that we can get a tile to put on. Excellent. Um, but we got to come up with that design. Uh, and um, yeah, it's there. There are some sincere and legitimate engineering complications. Uh, that are just going to sound like excuses if I list them out. So I can't even begin to timetable when we might see results on this. But if somebody's already got a product out there, we've got to start. Oh, yeah, for sure. So, yeah, unfortunately, you know, wearing armor isn't like Skyrim, where if you're a female character, you just throw on a, a male male armor, and it just com- magically conforms to your boobs perfectly, and then it's just going to give you the same level of protection. Yeah, fortunately, it doesn't work that way. No creases. Oh my god, no creases. Your armor cannot have creases. A crease is a weak point. A crease directs force into a weak point in the structure. Oh my god, no <laughs> creases. If there are boobs on your boob armor, it's not armor, it's decoration. Right, right. Well, hey, really you know, really happy to have you on. Like I we've I I would I, I believe like everyone here, myself and Rose, we've we learned so much in a very short time period and uh, really happy to have you on. Is there uh, any, uh, anything you want to shout out on and any social media and website handles you want to drop our way? No, um, nothing, nothing specific. Uh, we talked about this and I thought about it and there isn't any one universal thing that I would recommend, but a uh, parting shot for your listeners, find out who's doing mutual aid in your area, find out who's got a mutual aid co-op going and find out what they need from you. Right on. Yeah, right on. Good good advice. I know you have a website, and I know you have uh, some social media. You, uh, do you want to put those handles down? Um, we are Red Star Defense everywhere that we are, uh, which is just Facebook and Instagram right now, and our website, uh, redstardefense.com. Um, our Facebook is, I want to say, facebook.com slash redstardefense, but I never <laughs> get on Facebook, so I may not be your guy for that. Um, and then our Instagram handle, if you search Red Star Defense, will come up. We're in the first result. Uh, we got a nice little logo. It's um, it's a red star. Go, yeah, go figure. All right. Hey, Max, thank you for coming on. Really, really, really mean it. It was amazing. Learned so much. A lot of my misconceptions you know, were dispelled. Thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, any parting thoughts, Rose? Um, shocking that it's not rated for five five six. I just want to reiterate reiterate that for everyone. <laughs> that that was a that was a big deal. Yes, indeed that that was very shocking for me too. Just shows how little I know. Well, this has been uh, Soju Operator and Rose. <laughs> Thanks for coming on. Yeah, no, thanks for coming on. This is the Tiger Block Podcast, signing off. Thank you for having me, Soju. It was great fun.